Hey, what's going on? Thanks for tuning in to the E-Wang Bang Podcast. This is Emil Wang. And before we get started talking Spider-Man Far From Home with Jeff Liu, just want to say keep your eyes and ears peeled for the next episode. Jeff Liu and I will be interviewing my very good friend, Liwei Lan, who's going to be talking his life as a Hollywood actor. So stay tuned. It should be a really fun episode. And now, Spider-Man. Everywhere I go, I see his face. I just really miss him. Yeah, I miss him too. I don't think Tony would have done what he did if he didn't know that you were going to be here after he was gone. All right, on the phone, I have my very good friend, the infamous Jeffrey Liu. How's it going, man? Oh, it is going uh, web-swingingly phenomenal. what a great pun jeffrey lou how long did you spend working on that one would that even be considered a pun actually i I don't even know is that a pun is that just a reference anyway we're we're both tired we both have had long days so let's let's get this shit over with spider Spider man uh, far from home is a a bad movie go argue (laughs) (laughs) well Respectfully disagree. <laughs> <laughs> okay, actually, I, I, I did not think it was a bad movie. I considered some many parts of it uh, frustrating to watch, uh, but overall, a, a good movie. <laughs> I would say overall, it was it was a pretty good movie. Um, did a very very good job following up the events of Endgame. So why don't we start there? Because this is really the first movie that that kicks off the Marvel. Uh, the MCU Phase Four. Actually, this is the end of Phase Three. Orly. So, uh, phase Four. Yeah, uh, Phase Four. Is, the way that um, Kevin Feige uh, talked about it, well, Endgame was the climax, and this is the of Endgame. Like this is the first step away from Endgame, and it's an introduction to uh the type of stuff that you're going to see next and they have like a whole bunch of easter eggs that they have planned um that they kind of litter film and you would have to pay really close attention and watch a bunch of times to to um pick everything but yeah this is the end of phase three phase four is is upcoming and it's uh it's supposed to be a little bit different mm-hmm. so this is basically kind of like an epilogue if you will Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it kind of had that feeling, you know. It, it it didn't have the same sort of, you know, grand um, uh, design as Endgame kind of did, and uh, it, it was, you know, it, I, I think it was intended to be a much more relatable film to uh, the people who were going out and watching it. I mean, I, actually, like if you and really didn't know anything else about the MCU, I thought that this would be a pretty decent introduction to kind of like what the world is like, um, you know, uh, in the Marvel Universe at this point. Like if you wanted to just skip all of MCU phases one through three, you could kind of just jump in here, get a taste of what what had happened, and then, you know, just go dive headfirst into phase four, I guess. Um, Yeah. And I, I like how they did do like a, kind of a brief history of the snap, but told <laughs> told through the eyes of high schoolers, which uh, I, I thought was hilarious. I thought the, I thought the 
music selection there was really was really something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, like I was the only one in the theater that started laughing um, oh, no, when they when they started playing I, I, Whitney. <laughs> no, I I laughed too. Leslie definitely laughed as well. We got a couple of chuckles. We had kind of a wankster crowd uh, when we went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I I think it, you know, it it's kind of in line with the rest of that, you know, the Spider Man humor that we've seen. Uh, I mean, granted, it's been somewhat of a small sample size in the sense that you know Spider Man appeared in uh, Captain America Civil War, then both of the Avengers film, uh, uh, Infinity War films. Um, but also, obviously, his his standalone uh, his standalone film Homecoming, uh, it it was very well in line with the the tone that that Spider Man sets that you're kind of seeing it through these uh, through the eyes of a, a 15 or 16 year old or however old he is. Right. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, it, I think it wasn't just that um, that he was a teenager. I think it's because. The supporting cast for um, the Spider-Man films are all are, are all civilians, you know. Like yeah. everybody else in every single one of the other films is either a scientist or a member of Shield or you know um, s- somehow involved in like the research of like I don't know the universe or something like that. Everybody else is very much like in in the of whatever story they're in, and I feel as though Spider-Man is really the place where you get to see oh you know like there are normal people in this world still people that are still like you know probably a little bit traumatized by what happened you know from Thanos and like uh the snap and everything yeah and one thing that i was actually wondering and actually my brother was talking to me about this is did they ever really explain to the world or yeah did they ever explain to the world what had happened like some dude had gotten these stones and snapped his fingers and then some superheroes were able to get those stones from him or go back in time and get those stones and you know reverse the snap and then send captain america back in time to to put the stones right back in place i mean it it seems like it'd be a lot to explain to a bunch of civilians who are like what what what?" well i mean i i I think this is where uh mcu is kind of good and you you kind of had the real world ties i feel as though you know in the spider-man film um like the whole the whole start the whole introduction of the film was to michael keaton character uh michael keaton's character adrian toon and the first scene that you see of him is him working on the uh post new york attack when Loki attacks back in avengers one and um a Side that you kind of see, oh, this is how the world would react. Um, so you had Adrian Toomes who was working there under contract, and then you had the damage control department that was a federally set set up um, system by t- the Tony Stark Foundation uh, in conjunction with the federal government to come and clean it up. So I actually think that they most likely told like a a condensed tale or something that you could fit into the history books that is a lot more palatable because I really don't think a lot of people will be able to like stomach the idea of like, Oh shoot. You know, there were aliens and like, you know, you know, like a, a steroided up grimace from McDonald's, like snapping and like destroying the entire world or whatever, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, and, and I I think this is uh, this is a good transition point to actually talk about one of the or the essentially the villain of this new film, uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home, is the backstory in Mysterio also ties pretty well into this whole universe that's been created by um, ultimately by. Tony Stark, right? A, a lot of Mysterio's motivations uh, is a byproduct of what Tony Stark did and kind of how how Tony Stark grew this insane empire, uh, saved the world, but discarded, you know, some of the key components that helped him get helped get him there. Yeah, no, uh, and I actually, you know, I love because they did callbacks to both. Into uh, to two like pretty pretty uh, innocuous like Iron Man mo- moments if you weren't paying attention like yeah. the first one was when uh, Iron Man was showing off to um, to like the class at MIT mm-hmm. about this new program you know the program that uh, tapped into his and allowed uh, him to kind of you know traumatic um, experiences and it, I, I mean like. You know, it, it it was like glasses that tied directly into them. So I thought that was like, wow, that's that's an in, pretty intense technology right there. And you know, Tony being the way that he is, kind of just discarded it, and you just never really thought about it anymore. But I mean, that's probably somebody's life work there, you know. And like he just went and shat all over it because it didn't really fit his agenda. But then. Being the being Mysterio, uh, being the guy who actually programmed it, it kind of like ties in this whole like anti Iron Man sentiment that's been brewing ever since the first Spider Man film. Because Adrian Toomes likewise also has a grudge against Tony Stark, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this film, it's all disgruntled Tony Stark members, which is phenomenal. Because besides um, Jake Gyllenhaal's character uh, Quinn Beck, there was also another uh, scientist, and they actually got the same actor to come out and do this from Iron Man One, uh, mm-hmm. talking about you know his inability to create an arc reactor. And I was like, oh my god, you know, like they're really keeping this continuity going. So whatever Marvel is doing in re- retaining its actors and being able to like you know always tie back to previous films like it's building what kind of feels like a burgeoning what you know comic book universe because you can always go back there's always archived moments and you can always point to you know things in the other films where there's going to be a continuity there so there's just more investment because people are actually watching a history being written right now yeah and i think you and i have talked about this before maybe not on the pod but you did say that they're setting things up for the Sinister Six, right? Yes. Uh, you know, which is a collection of Spider-Man um, villains who come together and fight, uh, who fight Spider-Man. I, I think it's interesting that you know, you bring up the whole like the Tony Stark backstory. That it, it could be an, another element to this MCU Phase Four Spider-Man storyline, where not only is he fighting these villains, but he's also protecting, in a sense, Tony Stark's legacy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. As as Tony Stark's prodigy, the one that, the one that he selected, mm-hmm. <laughs> which also ties into the whole father figure stuff, which you have such a weird weird uh, 
uh, grudge again. <laughs> so yeah, why, why don't we start with that? I, and we will come back to Mysterio because I, I thought that that was a that Mysterio was a very interesting character, and I thought Jake Gyllenhaal did a great job. But l- let's get into this uh, father figure Iron Man deal because you have talked about it extensively on this pod before i think not just one episode but probably two episodes and and you've talked about it because i had not seen spider-man homecoming um and my my exposure to spider-man has really just been okay what happened in in civil war and what happened in uh in infinity war and endgame and really you know spider-man's a relatively minor character in all of those You've talked about in the past how they have this great, you know, father-son, mentor-mentee relationship, and I, I have just kind of taken it at, uh, um, taking your word for it, really, since I hadn't <laughs> seen, I hadn't seen Spider-Man: Homecoming. Well, I have seen it finally. I watched it a month ago, uh, which is good timing since you know, it, it, right before this movie came out, uh. And I wasn't impressed. I, I don't oh, no. <laughs> see what the big... Oh, yeah, surprise, Emil's not impressed. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, <laughs> why, could, why couldn't Spider-Man's mentor be The Rock? Why couldn't it be, Ho- <laughs> why couldn't it be Hobbs or Shaw? <laughs> but, but, I mean, uh... <laughs> Iron Man plays such a minor role in that Spider-Man Homecoming film. I mean, he's in it for, like maybe a couple scenes and he's just he serves more as as like a conscience and you know like that uh you know that the the disciplined daddy that slaps him on the wrist or whatever and then gives him words of encouragement when it matters but really he is not in that film very much so looking back and and i really don't think this is me seeing what i want to see i i you know (laughs) well like i I like I don't want to hate on it just because I want to hate on what you like though though I do <laughs> though I do enjoy hating on what you like um but like looking back at like the whole like all the little subtle scenes between you know Iron Man and Spider-Man like uh I'll give you an example at the very beginning of Endgame when Iron Man is rescued and he comes down and he sees Captain America. The the first thing he says is I lost the kid. It, it's not, you know, how's my family? How's, you know, how's uh how's uh Pepper Potts or, you know, did we did we get Thanos? You know, he he, he yeah. probably has a million questions, but really the first thing on his mind is I I lost Spider-Man. And that relationship that they build really isn't like it's not developed to the point that Spider-Man should be the first person on his mind when he gets back. Um, also, the also the closing scene of Endgame, in, in you know, as Tony Stark breathes his last uh, last breath, and I and I really hope n- listeners right now have have already seen Endgame. But spoilers, <laughs> yeah. But like, they they make a whole big deal about like you know Tony Stark and and uh, and. Peter Parker like having a hug and all that and it's like like really they're they're trying to it almost feels like and you love using this word it's like a ham-fisted like relationship that they're driving into the audience so that there's a lasting impact that that they can build off of in the future Spider-Man and I'm all for the idea of developing that relationship Uh I, I think 
I think, you know, what what you had said before in the sense that they haven't really gone into the Uncle Ben aspect uh, right. yet has has helped, you know, really like give bolster. Yeah, bol- bolster. Yeah, this Iron Man father relationship for Peter Parker. I- I'm all for that. I just don't think they've done a good job of it. I, I, I don't know how to argue against that, honestly. I mean, Because like, it is a soundproof argument. It's I, I, airtight. I, I actually, I, I mean, I strongly disagree because I think that they've set this up in a particular way. And honestly, like, there are other theories out there. Like, how did Tony find out about Spider-Man to begin with sort of thing? Like, that's, that's a theory that um, Tony knows about Spider-Man because in some – uh some some people are theorizing that like uh tony stark's uh industries may have inadvertently created the spider that bit spider-man that's why they haven't touched on the origin story yet because uh it's going to be addressed in the third spider-man and i like it this whole tony stark rivalry is going to come to a head because you know you're going to find out that like Spider-Man's going to doubt the reason why, you know, he was chosen and then um like he's going to doubt himself because oh, he only Dope. chose me because he made a mistake, you know, and yeah, and like he's guilty and you know, like I I am not deserving of this mantle and this this and that and he's going to have to go through this whole thing like where he um you know, he he has to find himself again, you know, he has to become his own man. But the thing is, like the way that they've set up Peter Parker's character here I think it's brilliant because they don't talk about Ben. They they talk about like um I I mean they they mention him kind of like in passing along the sides, you know. It's um you see uh, a reference to him using from the suitcase that he that he uh um takes to on his European trip and whatnot, but you just know that he's kind of lacking in guidance, you know, like he has such a sense for good and justice in the world, but there's nobody who's teaching him that. So there's kind of a void of like, of direction in his life. And I mean, you can kind of see it from the first movie, like the amount of enthusiasm that he has when he finally is part of this like team or family or however you want to call it, you know, like he texts happy all the time. He wants to impress Tony all the time, you know, uh, like it's it's this whole big thing. It's like nobody has ever kind of like reached out to him or, or not to his recent memory. You know, the, his life is so devoid of it. I mean, it was kind of thrown away as like a laugh moment. But I mean, remember that when he was flying back in Homecoming, when when Tony Stark was driving him back from the limousine, Tony Stark is still trying to be very like aloof and like, oh, you know, whatever, um, you know, thanks for helping us out. You did a good job. But when he reaches over to like open up the door for Peter, Peter's reaching in for a hug. So I don't think it's just Tony that is like sensing this relationship i think it's because peter wants it so much as well and tony doesn't have a kid you know like he got the sense that he had a kid that's why endgame was so important too because when tony stark actually had a daughter in endgame you got to see what his primary motivation was he cared for this little girl in some ways because like he wasn't able to protect 
the kid that he brought into this. You have to remember that Tony Stark involved a 16-year-old in essentially a military conflict with people who could easily kill a normal 16-year-old. He's not ready for that shit, you know? So in one way or the other, like, he realizes the amount of potential that Peter Parker has and wants to help him develop it. So he has nothing but a sense of responsibility for this kid, even if he is putting him in danger sort of situations. So it may not be a traditional parent-kid relationship, but it definitely has kind of like they, they are each what the other person needs at that moment. So the thesis of Jeff Liu's paper on Spider-Man's relationship is Spider-Man has daddy issues and he's going to end up dancing on a pole. No, sure, if you want to put it that way, but Tony Stark has daddy issues too. I mean, yeah. d- Tony Stark's father was killed in, in, I mean, arguably probably the same sort of instance, you know? Like, so he can relate to this kid in so many different ways. And Peter Parker's smart, too. Like, y- you know, like, he sees the the kind of underpinnings of genius that are eventually going to be there. And, you know, in the comic books, that absolutely is the case. Peter Parker is a genius. He doesn't have the same sort of, like, business sense that Tony does. But he, he like, when you allow him to develop, he definitely, like, is in the same realm of intelligence as Tony Stark is. Like, him and alongside Reed Richards are, like, renowned for their scientific prowess in the comic books. So I think they're hinting at that here. But they have no choice but to treat him as a kid because he still is technically 16. So here's my problem with the whole concept of bringing the, like, the, like the lack of, you know, a father figure back into this. Like, Peter Parker was part of a team that saved the fucking universe from Thanos. Like, sure. You don't, you don't really but, need, but, like, but, but, a dad to tell you what's right and wrong after that. I mean... But you gotta, you gotta remember, Peter Parker was not fully involved in the entire time, okay? He didn't know that he was saving the world until he got to... Um, thanos's planet okay he just thought that he was accomplishing a mission he was on a field trip you know he didn't even have time to change it's all one day to him at this point you know so he's been a reluctant hero he's been um no he was already a hero but he's been reluctantly forced into a conflict that he wasn't prepared for it, you know. Yeah, like I'm, I'm saying post Endgame events. Like he's been part of it. <laughs> he's been part yeah. of the Avengers and has saved the universe and has right. fought gods. Like he, he has literally fought a, a, like an immortal god and, and gotten his ass kicked by it. Yeah, by well, he didn't die. You know, he, he <laughs> did. You got to remember, he got snapped away. Yeah, he well, got snapped away, you know, like yeah. and he knows like if if we're talking about what the rest of the world knows at at the the start of um far from home the the rest of the world probably has been has been fed like a story that spider man knows is untrue, so yeah. I, I I'm just saying you know like he he's like cursed with knowledge, he's the same as Tony Stark. Yeah, so which takes me back to like, does he really need that 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 daddy moral compass figure anymore? Because I think the scale of everything has just become has just blown up so much. And and again, this this is my problem with some of these Marvel storylines. And and actually, this even trickles down to um, 
<laughs> trickles just, down. What it is trickles this? Trickles down to, to, to like Jessica Jones and, um, you know, Luke Cage and Daredevil, like the Netflix Defender series where, you know, like they're worried about like, have you watched season three yet of Jessica Jones? No, I have not. Uh, okay. Um, uh, see, well, season two of Jessica Jones, you know, they're, they're uh, or here's a good example. Season three of uh, Daredevil, he fights Bullseye, right? Like, right. Bullseye is wreaking havoc on New York City with Kingpin. People are scared. It's like, why don't you just, like, again, why doesn't Tony Stark just fly in and shoot these motherfuckers? Dude, but I mean, or, that's, or, that's or, like saying, why are you not calling in the National Guard for a or, gang problem? You but know? but it, even then, like, you know, why aren't you, like, if, okay, Bullseye shoots guns and throws knives, go get that dude from Harlem. Go get Luke Cage to, like, take the one train down for, like, 20 minutes. Problem solved. It's just one of those things that they've opened Look at up. me. I'm Emil. I know what the one train is because I lived in New York and I'm sexy. <laughs> we've talked about this before i i still don't understand why manhattan or like new york city in these new york shows <laughs> is never portrayed the right way and like like i in my mind like I think people in the, really think in the in the right way says the new yorker uh <laughs> You're so pretentious, the right way, like, Geographically, it's not even like a culture slash feel slash like New York attitude like sort of thing. It, it's literally it is it is a small island that okay. a train can go north to south in like thirty minutes. It's not, okay. It, it, you're you're asking you're asking me to do way too much research for watching a movie well, that I, I I digress. I digress. <laughs> Let's bring it back to Spider-Man and this Iron Man thing. I, I we'll, we'll tie up this conversation with, you know, again, I, I think the whole concept of Spider-Man needing to defend uh, Iron Man's legacy and what you bring up, the whole possibility of Iron Man actually being the reason why Spider-Man became who he is, that, that'd be a, a very, very interesting uh, tie-in. Like, tie-in, really, like, and that can really be an internal conflict okay, that, that Spider-Man will, will have to deal I, with. But let me finish. Let me, uh, let me yeah. finish. Let me finish. Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. But I don't want to see another movie where Spider-Man is like, am I the right person for this? Because we've already had to deal with that in Toby's like – you know, Spider-Man 2 and 3. I think Andrew Garfield's were also very, very similar. We had to deal with it for this movie, Far From Home. I, I don't I don't love the idea of needing to see that again if we're going to come across a story where it's like, oh, like, was I was I chosen by Tony or was I – or did he give this to me because he felt guilty? And that's that's it. Okay. I and I and I hear you about that. It's not like, but I don't think it's just limited to that. I think you you think that Spider Man is a, for lack of a better word, a triple A uh, superhero, right? Mm. Along the lines of Captain America, uh, you're basically Nick Fury, bitch. You've been to space level, right? <laughs> basically, right? The great. Line. I'm just I I I just have to remind you. He's 16, man. He's a 16-year-old kid. Like this this is not like what were we dealing with when we were 16? We were worried about like cars and, you know, like if in your case you were worried about the bastard child that you had with the girl in Monterey. <laughs> <laughs> 
For the record, well, I was at least we 18, you guys. I, for, for the record, for the Yuang Bang and listeners and the police listening to this podcast, I was I was 18 when I was worried, okay? We were not worried about saving the world, okay? And we already had enough on our plate, okay? I'm just saying, like, the, you know, and actually Spider-Man is a good parallel to, like, the level of pressure that the kids nowadays are feeling, too. Like, but Spider-Man literally has the weight of the world on him at this point you can see him when he's getting overwhelmed in the crowds like are you the new iron man you know like uh, everybody uh, you know i know you, we know that you were working with iron man and you're the only hero was Arnold doing the interviews and the <laughs> yeah no exactly but i mean that's exactly what i'm saying you're you're thinking about him as a fully fully developed adult at this point and he's not he's a 16 year old that's dealing with with literally being, you know, ha- having having the power of a nuclear device in his in his fists, and having dealt with these world, I, I mean, like, it's no wonder that he hasn't broken down. It's a small wonder that he's still able to function the way that he is, you know. And I mean, like, even approaching like the monsters that appeared in uh, the movie here. I mean, he's still dealing with like huge elemental threats, and he doesn't know if he'll survive. Sort of thing, you know, I mean, I I can't imagine being thrown into that situation in high school, you know, Uh, so uh, I I, I acknowledge what you're saying. But I think for I think for a person who doesn't want to suspend their disbelief in the movie too much, I think you're like severely discounting the fact that this guy is he's still a kid. You know, he's still a kid. He's still a kid with the responsibilities of being a kid alongside the responsibilities of being a hero and he's the only hero now the rest of them are gone yeah um so i guess here's here's a good transition point does making him a kid make him more relatable to audiences Uh, what i'm getting at is i think this this movie, one of my biggest problem of this movie is that it, it towed the line between you know superhero film and like silly like high school you know romance film and it, and it's very very like tongue it, it's it's very tongue in cheek i get it but the characters are all so high schoolers they're so high schooly and so uninteresting that <laughs> like the the like half of the film that's supposed to be this wonderful thing is like is really lost on me because they're high schoolers that don't have the same kind of appeal the way like uh like mean girls for example like like the the high school kind of like clicks and drama and all that stuff like things represented in films like mean girls or 10 things i hate about you like those kind of films are like high school dramas that or high school comedies that adults can kind of get behind and still laugh about like i I felt bro you old (laughs) i i feel like i i still feel like this like this whole like peter parker being on a high school trip like that's a movie made for 12 year olds um and maybe (laughs) like some early teenagers and then the superhero thing and kind of the the themes and all that like that's made for adults I felt like I was watching two different movies and 
I, I, you know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, go ahead and reach out and say like this is a teen movie, man. The, the teen movies that you just cited were from when you were a teenager. <laughs> like, yeah, but they're still great though. Like if you watch them now, they're still but, great. They... But what are, what's the fan base of Marvel looking like nowadays? Like this is this is a fan base filled with kids who probably grew up with it. Like, if they were six at the time that the first movie came out, they're probably 17 now. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this is this absolutely resonates with them. Uh, you know, and... and yeah, I, I mean, I guess it depends on who's your, like... Intended your audience. Yeah, yeah, because it, it's, a lot, it's a much wider net than, let's say, like, if we were to make a Power Rangers movie, right? The Power Rangers movie is... Like, who the fuck are those guys, Dad? <laughs> are they cool? Well, well, I'm saying like like you know when Power Rangers first came out for us, right? When it became a movie, that that audience, like that that range of audience, was really geared towards just us, right? People who grew up with it. But the whole MCU like started what in 2006, 2007 when the first yeah. Iron Man came out, like. Okay. It's been a long time coming, and it, it casts a really wide net for audiences of a whole spectrum. So right. I, I see what you're saying. Like, if if this film was geared just for you know high school kids, then yeah, I get it. You know, the the whole like, oh, like I, I like I just want to go on my go on this trip and tell this girl that I like her on top of the Eiffel Tower. Like that would I think resonate more with you know the the audience that it's intended for, but. Uh, good god like you saved the world man like and you got these insane powers just like concoct some like insane situation some fabricated situation where you know you can you can swoop in as peter parker and save the day and not reveal your secret identity like it's just these goddamn millennials want everything handed to them when i was a superhero back in high school we used to watch Julius Stiles dance around with the Joker. Oh, God. You're Are such you a like bitter old King, Hank Hill if he was a superhero? <laughs> what kind of what kind of accent is that? I have no idea. It's an old man. It's exactly what you sound like. You are an old man. You you sound you sound I like am. a you sound and like a well, boomer well, right and, now, man. Like uh, and, you know, bad Back in the back in my day, teen movies used to be about something great. <laughs> the, te- the teenagers nowadays, oh, they they're just bitching and whining because they don't get on their get to go on their Euro trip. <laughs> <laughs> and while I'm bitching about these high school kids, like I cannot fucking stand MJ in this. I am sorry, like. Zendaya or whoever the hell she is, I'm sure she's a great actress. Apparently, she's some singer. Like, I have no problem with her. Like, I, and I think she's like, you know, the pretty or whatever. But, good God, can we learn how to write female characters better? Like this fucking mashup of like Jessica Jones and April from Parks and Rec. It just doesn't do it for me. Like, like a Satan lover who's just like, you know, I, I guarantee you if. if as these films go on, like if the moment MJ turns 21, she's just going to be this severe alcoholic. She will just be like, they'll just cast Kristen Ritter to come in and be like MJ. 
and be like, yeah, Kristen Ritter just uh, make some references to Satan, and uh, you're you're the MJ that we want. Like, come on, like let, let, let's make let's make women a little bit more interesting than these fucking like, you know, one ride ponies, or whatever that that just talk about like like just just like straight up be dark all the time because that's something new. Like, come on. Well, and I hate Fat Ned too. God, get rid of that guy, please. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the uh, while I'm on it, dude, the Tweedledee and Tweedledum teacher shit. Like, you couldn't have like like I like JB Smoove, I like Martin Starr a lot. You could have gotten away with just one of them. You didn't need two of them to like you know like one would be like the comedic like center of the scene, and then the scene would just end with like the other one being like. Oh, I didn't say that, or something like that. You know what I mean? Like the like, the the two didn't have chemistry together. They were just like forced into each scene as the chaperones. Like you you could have just had one of them, and the movie would have been just as fine. And what the hell is up with Flash Thompson? Oh, that character sucks yeah. too. Why is he yeah, so fucking... mean? <laughs> why is he colored? Why is Flash Thompson colored? And why is Brad colored? Like <laughs> why can't it be some good old American white guys? What happened to the good old American names? Like. <laughs> Chad and Chad and, and Stan. Okay, I... I'm done. I'm done talking about high schoolers and Spider-Man home, far from home. <laughs> okay, I will give you this. I I thought that the teachers were overkill. I I, I did. I I agree with you on that front. Yeah. Um, I am disappointed with how they use Ned in this one. Um, because in the first one, I know you still found him annoying, but I, I, I found his, like, I thought, I found that kind of like, oh, you know, my best friend's a superhero. It was endearing in the first movie. And then in he this was better one, in the first movie, I he agree. was better in the first movie, but he was given more, I think in the first movie to do. And here he, I, I mean, it was unfortunate that they relegated him to just a love story and, and you know, and, and it was a very much a modern love story. And I, I actually think that the person that they, um, did the least amount of justice to was Betty uh, Betty Brant, I think um, the the girl that was uh, dating Ned while they were in Europe. I, I they is made she a character her... in the comics. Or is she Ned is a character she... in the comics. Ned is Ned is also a character in the comics, and they actually do date. Um, but they they are both like uh, Peter Parker's Daily Bugle friends, right? So they actually uh... are supposed to be a little bit like soda cracker white bread sort of boring characters ish you know mm-hmm. actually betty brant had a crush on peter parker for a while all the sort of stuff they, they're tying it incorrectly it, it's just that peter Parker's supporting cast tends to be that you know aunt may is a mainstay and um that sort of thing and aunt may is like you know she you know towards the She's end fantastic. she fantastic beca- she you know I love well, marissa, marissa tomei marissa tomei is great but you, I mean, you got to take away the like inherent, you know, sexiness of Marissa Tomei and considering it and considering the way that she's playing it. I mean, even in this film, you know, she's kind of being saddled with John Favreau. It's the summer of love sort of like issue here. You know, everything is yeah. a love story in this film. And I think that's also why you don't particularly care for it. But I, I think it's endearing because like it's. It it's what keeps Marvel from turning turning into a DC movie, you know, because you still <laughs> no. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm a little bit serious because you get I, to I, see yeah. the the human the human development of relationships, even though they're a little bit 
underdeveloped because they're not trying to focus on that. But again, you know, this is this is part of Marvel's plan in creating an archival feel. You know, every little nuance, every little character development um, that you have, no matter how superficial it may be, you know, there's there's a callback to it. You know, and you know, I don't disagree that Zendaya's character could use a little bit more development, but. I think that they're setting her up a little bit. She's an intelligent girl. You know, it, she much more feels like Daria than she does like um, April Ludgate or, uh, you know, Kristen Ritter. I mean, Kristen Ritter's really, really, you know, she 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 definitely took like kind of a archetypal character and then put, put superpowers into it, you know? And yeah. I get that. And I get that you're upset about that. You know, like I'm not always happy with Jessica Jones, um, the direction that it went either. But that could be said for all of the Netflix series because the Netflix series were honestly kind of the DC uni- like cinematic universe. Danny Rand, baby. Yeah, Danny Rand. Jesus Christ. Like her – him and uh, – who, who is his girlfriend? Colleen Wing. Colleen Wing. Just like why? And Misty Stone became like a, like a caricature Misty of Knight. herself. Misty Knight, yeah. Misty Knight became – yeah, it became a caricature caricature of herself. It was just like, uh, um, mm-mm, you you ain't gonna do that in Harlem. I'm like, come on, you know, like it's not supposed to be like that. You've modernized everything else. Why Dude, how did dare you make fun of Harlem like that? That that's really how people talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm Meal and I'm a former New Yorker. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. God, I can totally see you going back <laughs> home. It's like, hey guys, yeah, you know what? This is nice, but it's not like the bars in New York. Oh, thanks, Emil. <laughs> that is literally what I tell people all the time here. New, New York Emil comes out quite a bit. He's 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 uh, he's popular around these parts. He, oh. He's a cultured one. Oh, he he, he gives regular Emil a little credibility, yeah. especially on this podcast. <laughs> you're you're drinking an old fashioned. Yeah, those came from New York. Did I mention that I lived there before? Oh. <laughs> fantastic impression of me yeah. Yeah. anyway i digress again um <laughs> so I, I i don't think you and i see eye to eye in this whole high school love bullshit and you know again it's it's me being an old man and i i do love your your in, should i say enthusiasm your kind of uh pure what's a good word to say it your innocence. It's my your innocence. My, my my hopefulness. My your hopefulness. hopefulness. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I get it. Like it. Like if if everything did want to become dark, we would just end up with more of you know Bruce Wayne being the Martha. Where's the trigger? Where's the trigger? You hardly wouldn't be able to trigger. What do you think? Was that was that a good Batman? <laughs> A Looney Tunes character. He's not like, he's not like one of the dogs after they they chase after um, God. What's the uh, chase after Sylvester for too long? <laughs> All righty. Well, let, let's let's move on to uh, Mysterio. I, I really I wanted to start uh, the podcast episode with this, but it it took kind of a a long turn, and uh, we're finally back on track, and we're talking about the adults in the film, which were fantastic and i don't want to take anything away from tom holland by the way i think tom holland is a very very good actor and um 
you know, all things considered, as many as much as I have issues with kind of the buildup uh, that it, like to this story about him and Iron Man's relationship, had that been done perfectly, like Tom Holland's performance would be very, very compelling. Yes, um, yes. And uh, yeah, I, I won't uh, I won't take anything away from him. Just, and he does action great, Jesus. You like... know, I was watching some interview with him, and he actually does like the like the trick and stuff. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's really he impressive. He yeah. flips. He flipped. He flipped when he went to visit uh, those uh, uh, the children's hospital um, patients. Like he was in the hospital room flipping for these kids in costume, and I was like, "Dude, yeah. that's so awesome!" Yeah, that's yeah. pretty dope. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I think he's great, and and I really look forward to seeing him do more. Like, oh, for I, sure. I unfortunately haven't seen him in too much other than Spider-Man. I know he was in the uh, some disaster movie with uh, Naomi Watts. Um, the Who miracle. Cares? <laughs> it was it was really good. It was like uh, okay. is the one like it was nominated for best picture. Uh, the miracle or the impossible. Something like that. Anyway, uh, good film. He, yeah. He's also really good in that, too. But uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. Very Jeez, good. Good for him, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a yeah. great what a great role. Yeah. And just the range that he had to show during that. Right. Like he yeah. starts as like that. Hey, like, you know, kind of like a humble, like superhero. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be your father figure. Sort of. Yeah. 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 Surrogate father figure again. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Being the supportive guy. Hey, man, what do you want to do? Like all all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then there's, you know, could you imagine like if you didn't know who Mysterio was, like, could you imagine that turn where like the like. You know, them drinking in bar was already kind of weird. It's like, well, you guys are in costume. That's like nobody's coming up to you, being like, "What the hell are you guys doing?" Or, "Thanks for yeah. saving the uh, the center of Prague." And yeah. you know, like, but for that turn to happen, where all the holograms, you know, disappear, and then Jake goes from this like, you know, I'll be this great superhero to, Haha, like we pulled it off, douchebag. <laughs> yeah, like we pulled it off. Woo-hoo! <laughs> Fuck Tony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, and no. then and then he goes to this point where he just completely loses it and oh, yeah. is you know is is trying to pull off the, the, his grandest illusion yeah, in yeah, London, yeah. and he's he's yeah. just this insane psychopath. So, just uh, uh, the full range of Jake Gyllenhaal from you know his, his villainous uh, Nightcrawler role yeah. to like yeah. you know to I, I don't know what, what's a good role that he was in like Bubble Boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Southpaw, Southpaw. Okay. He was really good in Southpaw. Yeah. I, and can I just say, in terms of Marvel's marketing, like, I think it's genius. I really do. Like, um, because I knew Mysterio's history, and I was just like, are they really going to do this? Are they really going to make him a good guy? Like, yeah. and then maybe, like, and they and they did the whole thing with the multiverse, and was just like, are they going to do a good guy Mysterio and a bad guy Mysterio? Mm-hmm. Like, how are they even like Mysterio in the comic books? I mean, he can be cool, but like, he started off as kind of a joke character, you know, with like illusions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But you know, it was back when um, Spider Man was like a lot more pulpy, and there's not there there wasn't as much like. Um, 
depth of like drawings and details and stuff like that. So the plots were a lot more basic and more in the modern, like th- this Mysterio is definitely more in the, um, the uh, camera of like the modern Mysterio ones where he's like a dark and disturbed guy. And he actually does explore the multiverse, which is why it's cool that yeah. um, they did the marketing on that because Mysterio actually opens up Peter Parker's world to Miles Morales's world as, um, as uh, the Spider-Man in an, an alternate universe. That's how they meet for the first time is through Mysterio. So with all the hype surrounding Into the Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. I thought they were going to do some cool thing where like they're like, yep, there, there's alternate universes and there's two Jake Gyllenhaals. And then like we don't know if it's a good Mysterio or a bad Mysterio. But they took it in such a cool direction mm-hmm. in this film. And like, OK, and I'll give you this. For a teen, like the whole teen film part of it with like a little bit of superhero stuff mixed in between, that was really boring until Mysterio the villain showed up. And then the film just like flipped on his head and was was phenomenal. I I, like the illusion that that Jake Gyllenhaal pulled, the first illusion that he pulled on Spider Man, I was just like, oh my God, that's crazy what they just did there. And that it was so awesome. You're, you're saying the scene that he, like when, as a villain, the first illusion that he pulls on Spider-Man, right, when exactly. he goes to uh, Germany, I think, or when he goes yeah. to Berlin and you know, yeah, 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 makes yeah. him get hit by train. Yeah, that scene was yeah. awesome. And it was, it was incredible. It was, it was wow, a mix yeah. of terror. Like it was really yeah. terrifying. Oh, like, was, the fucking zombie Iron Man. I was like, yeah. oh shit. Like, yeah. yeah, that would have been a good scene for like you know tony stark to come out right yeah, or some kind exactly. of like you know cross between tony stark and like terminator or something yeah and, yeah yeah um, yeah no that would have been awesome yeah, something haunting but yeah. um let's like i wanted to do this at, at the beginning of the pod since we usually start with you know talking about source material um but let's let's talk Mysterio a little bit for those who aren't familiar. I mean, you touched on this and that he's you know kind of a joke character, and honestly, his outfit uh, when you see the animation, it it looks yeah. a little a little silly. Yeah. Um, my understanding is that he he was somewhat of a magician, but more of a special effects guy. Yeah, that uh, you know came out. He was a failed you know Hollywood uh, special effects guy, and yeah. Um, somewhat blamed Peter Parker for kind of stealing the spotlight from him. I mean, I'll, I'll let you go into that. Yeah. I mean, like it, it was really simple when Mysterio came out, like he wanted to set himself up as a really big hero and he was a stunt man and action coordinator and also like a special effects guy. So he did essentially what Jake Gyllenhaal did in this movie to try and make himself into a hero. But then he was thwarted by Spider-Man who took center stage and like saved the day and everything. And he had a, had a grudge against him ever since. And it, it started off in the comics as being a real simple sort of thing. It's like, ah, you know, like you, you caught me again, Spider-Man. Like, Oh, you know, that sort He's of like thing. He's like a Scooby-Doo villain. Like he looks yeah. like a Scooby-Doo villain. That, that's yeah, what I was he, thinking when I was watching it. Like exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and you got to remember like, this is, this is when Scooby was big back in the, like the seventies and stuff like that. That's when Mysterio first started to, to come into, um, come, come into the spotlight as a villain. But then, as he grew up, he became much more of a psychological villain, uh, a lot in step with like Scarecrow from the Batman, mm. um, things like screwing with people's fear and illusions and all that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, he, he screwed with Spider-Man a lot on a psychological level. And I just didn't know how they were going to do it because from the 
from the previews. And, and see, again, this ties into Marvel's marketing and like just getting your expectations in the right in the right mindset. In the previews, it seemed as though he was going to have like Doctor Strange like powers with the yeah. glyphs around the the hands and everything like that. But when they turned him into kind of this like psychotic genius, mm-hmm. and like when you saw the visual of how he was screwing with Spider Man's emotions, it, you were just like. Wow, they really pulled off something special. Did you ever play Arkham Asylum on uh, PlayStation? I, I, I've watched like playthroughs. I don't. I, I don't play video games. I just watch movie right. cutscenes. Right, right, right. So, I mean, like, do you, do you remember the Scarecrow level? No. Uh, like, I okay. So, I mean, it basically is that. Like, he, you're you're putting through putting you're putting your superhero through, like all of the pain, all of the self-doubt, all of the like confidence-shaking events in his lifetime and forcing it and forcing him to walk a gauntlet through it. That's essentially what he made Spider-Man do. And I sat there and I was just like, "Wow, this is like it's a very similar feeling as to the first time I wa- I I played through it as Batman in Arkham Asylum. Like he's forcing Peter to like go through all this crap." And then at the very end where he's pulling off these like misdirection illusions, like where uh, Nick Fury shoots Mysterio to get Peter Parker to reveal the location of it, yeah. uh, of, of his friends and stuff like that. You're just like, oh, shoot. Like not only is he that, he's fucking ruthless Conniving. too. Yeah. And I was just like on so many levels this villain works. And Jake Gyllenhaal's performance is like, is 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 tantamount to that but just like the way that the film chose to go about it too was just like so it's so satisfying and, and and it made the final fight between peter and mysterio such a satisfying fight as well yeah uh, you know it, it not he's not fighting a monster he's fighting a man but he's a man who can like screw with the way that you're perceiving things yeah. and, and, and i actually read this cool thing was like the whole the and this actually gets back to the idea of like how the Marvel universe, the common people are reacting to it. I, I read an article that said the real villain in Spider-Man could not have existed without the fake news like environment that we exist in nowadays. And I was like, yeah, you know what? That's really true. I because was, the, mm-hmm. yeah, sir, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I was gonna go actually. I was going into that, but you just kept on fucking talking and talking oh, and I'm talking. So, I'm sorry, um, but, you're from but, New York. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, but I, I love the, like, I love how he, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal keeps on saying, like, people will believe anything, right? Yeah. And, and that's really yeah. something that, like, it, it's kind of, uh, like, a very, it's kind of self-aware, like, it's like a whole nother level of self-awareness when they're making right. a film, right? It's like, um, you know, like me as a, somebody in the universe, like, man, like, like, people, like, after seeing like you know Thanos try to take over, like people will fucking believe anything, and they're yeah. and they're gonna want to fi- see, find themselves a savior, especially after Tony Stark left, right? So yeah. you know Mysterio, you know, saw this as a perfect opportunity, not only in the in the day and age of you know kind of fake news and you know the power of social media, but also capitalizing on the weaknesses and um, desperation of somebody of uh, people yeah to some, for something to hold on to yeah and that's yeah. that's very that's very relatable it, that yeah, is so absolutely. much more relatable than a than a high school romance with some goth chick you, who loves you the can't separate they're the same movie man 
um so i i I will get into that final fight scene because i want to get into something that you had posted on facebook but um wrapping up the whole mysterio discussion it's like like imagine telling somebody like who the villain was for this film and like what their special power was like just imagine being like yeah it it was a guy who just made a bunch of like optical illusions in the end like people would be like well that's fucking stupid like why would i want to watch a superhero film about that um just but the execution of it was was like you said so there were so many layers it was so much it was so complicated you know, jake Gyllenhaal was ruthless conniving like it, it it worked out really well even though he was a human with no real superpowers it, yeah. he was he was on the same level as you know any other villain that we've seen in in spider-man yeah i agree i agree all right, something we agree on. <laughs> uh, I want to wrap this up with, um, you know, and this ties into kind of the action and the visuals of this film. But you had posted something on Facebook that said uh, this Spider-Man uh, Far From Home is uh, the best the best Star Wars film that we've had. Finally, a good Star Wars movie. <laughs> Finally, a good Star Wars movie. So uh, talk about that, because I, I didn't get it when you first posted it. And after right. watching the film, you, you were the first person I thought of. And I was like, I still don't I still don't get it. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I, I, I watched The Force Awakens and I watched The Last, uh, the Last Jedi or whatever. Um, and I'm just sitting there. And I'm just like, how are they getting the Force so wrong here? You know? It's like, oh, you're going through all this other sort of stuff and like, you know, like, oh, who's your identity? Oh, you know, like all these mirrors running down. And a a part of that has has to do with like the different directors interpretation of the force and like it's just not like being cohesive. Right. But I I just have felt like they they've they've bastardized it, not with these last two, not just with these last two films, but all of the like anything that wasn't the original three, they just have lost touch with it. You know, they just mm-hmm. don't get it anymore because they've overly complicated. They've tried to explain it in certain ways. And I thought Spider-Man just did a great job, especially with, um, Aunt May's explanation of the, of the spider sense. It's just like, <laughs> Oh, it's your Peter tingle. <laughs> I was like, that's great. Until like he starts using it. And especially with a, with a force like Mysterio, like he has to use it. He has to have faith in himself. You know, he's put through the same sort of illusions that Ray was in the last um, Skywalker, but instead of uh, or the last Jedi, but instead of like, you know, like, oh, having this like existential crisis or something like that, you know, even though his confidence is shook, he just basically has faith in himself and he reaches out. And the last shot in the fight against Mysterio where he Mysterio tries to essentially pull the same trick on Spider-Man, mm-hmm. fooling him with an illusion of him kind of dying on the ground, mm-hmm. but simultaneously pointing a gun at him in an invisible yeah, state. And Spider-Man just like no, not looking at all, mm-hmm. you know, grabs the gun and just smashes it. I was just like, that is a force moment right there. That is like the culmination. That's like when Luke finally understood, you know, like what his role was supposed to be. You know, yeah. that's that's somebody coming into their own. And that's really like that's when for me, Spider-Man became his own hero, like yeah. because he sat there and 
he didn't rely on the suit. He didn't rely on anything. His mask was off. The you know all of his gadgets were like spent and depleted. But he just sat there. He had faith in himself. He had faith in his own abilities. And that's essentially what the Force is. It's faith. You know, it's 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 some sort of like you know understanding of the world around you beyond what normal people have. And like that scene was just so good. And I was just like, it was not a complicated scene. I, granted, it took a lot of foundation to bring it there, but it was not a complicated scene. It was just a hero coming into his own. And it was so resonant with me that, like, that's what the Force was supposed to be all along. I was like, I, I can't help but make a comment, you know? You had to leave – you had to have a Marvel movie, a comic book movie, something that you've, you know, you've, you've, you've kind of, like, touted yourself as being above because you have this, like, prestigious film history. You had to have this film show you how it was supposed to be done, you know? And it just disappointed me. It, like, it made me – Super happy that the movie did this, like that Spider-Man did this, but it also made me kind of sad that like, the, you know, Star Wars hasn't Star, figured it out. <laughs> Star Wars can't figure it out. Cannot. Yeah. You know, they just don't get what makes a hero in this mm-hmm. case. Like Spider-Man, even with all of the modern like changes and like how we've evolved as a per, uh, as a people and how we have different like pretty extreme differing viewpoints at this point spider-man is still a hero you know he's an incredible person like he's somebody that you would look up to and he's really finally coming to his own in this universe filled with people who are ultra ultra powerful you know but he he definitely embraces that role the best i think at that point because he he tight he tightrope walks the responsibility of being a person a citizen and a person who like is tasked with the responsibility and protection of the world. So that's my that was my whole, whole Star Wars take on it. Yeah. Well, hey, you have the Game of Thrones guys to try to get the Star Wars. <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I'm not a Game of Thrones uh, when, watcher, when you, but I... When you uh, ditch your first child, you know? It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> you, you made it to 18. Sorry, we got a new hot child coming down the, down the pipe. God. <laughs> That's a yeah, yeah. Um, well, I want to wrap this up with just uh, predictions. Okay, uh, three questions for you. We'll, we'll start easy and get harder. Okay, number one, what, what's the title of the next Spider-Man film? Uh... <laughs> My guess, Spider-Man Home Alone or Spider-Man Homeward Bound? <laughs> oh, dude, I would do Spider-Man Homeward Bound. I would watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. Like if Spider-Man ends up in space and it has to come back home again. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> that was great. Homeward Bound. All right. Uh, prediction number two. Uh, how serious do you th- – how long – how committed do you think they are to doing the Sinister, Sinister Six? Because I know I, they're doing Craven the Hunter. Yes. Uh, they're they're going to bring in Doc Ock. Yeah. Mysterio's dead, but they could probably bring him back to life somehow. I don't think Mysterio's dead, but okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then they have Vulture. Um, who else is in the Sinister Venom! Venom's not in Tom Sinister Six. Hardy! He's not in Sinister Six, though. It doesn't matter. I, like yeah. They can change the Sinister Six to be whoever they want. By the way, point. Venom's a garbage movie, so I, I hope not. I hope they, they eliminate... Or, like, uh, yeah, you can keep Tom Hardy as Venom, but I hope they... You know, fire all the writers and anyone involved with making that film. Um, who else was in the Sinister Six? Yeah, I can't uh, 
Doc Ock, um, Chameleon. Shocker. Shocker. Shocker's been set up. Yeah. 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 So, like, they could be pulling that together pretty soon. I I don't want another, like, three movies to set up for the Sinister Six. It can't be Spider-Man. Spider-Man 6. Sinister 6. That, like, Tom Holland would be, like, 40 by then. Yeah. And I don't think Paul Giamatti would do the Rhino again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you, do you think, in all seriousness, do you think they're going to do it, or do you think they're just going to have some kind of bastardized version of like Spider-Man fighting three dudes at, or six dudes at once? I, I think it's going to depend on how the how the reaction to the new Phase Four is going to be. I, I think it has to be because um, I feel as though. Uh, they need to make up some goodwill with Captain Marvel, and they're unsure as whether the Guardians series is going to be. But I think they're trying to set up new Avengers, and if they're trying to set up new Avengers with like, you know, Little Nova, um, uh, Miles Morales, um, uh, the Falcon as Captain America, all that sort of stuff, they have they've got a lot of different like room that they can move with. And if the Sinister Six makes sense it may make sense to do it again, kind of like a um, far from home sort of thing where Spider-Man has to take them all on by himself. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how, we'll see how phase four goes. Alrighty. Um, and I, and I guess that was kind of my, my last question. Uh, but wh- where would you like phase four to go? And what has Spider-Man really set up? There's that post credit scene about the scrolls and yeah. you know, God knows what Nick Kroll, uh, Nick Fury was doing. Nick Kroll. <laughs> Nick Kroll. <laughs> that oh, dude shiz in the building. Yeah. Oh man. Um, but, uh, yeah, like what was Nick Fury doing? I mean, I, like one of the things that I came out of Spider-Man with was like, I'm not excited for what's going to happen next. Um, which is, you know, I, I guess what you were saying is right. It, it it's kind of seen more as an epilogue to uh, uh, MCU Phase Three, but there's really nothing's really been set set up for like what's really to come in Phase Four. So what I am excited about is what the unifying thing is going to be, and actually what I think it could be, and what I might be excited about is the introduction of the X Men. The introduction of the Fantastic Four in yeah. in Avengers Tower, you know, and the introduction introduction of the new Avengers, which would include people like Spider Man, uh, Amadeus Cho as the Hulk, which we discussed in the last film. Yeah. Uh, you know, like um, uh, if they're really going to try and make a new Iron Man to make a Riri Williams Iron Man, who which Robert Downey Jr. has come out and supported. You know, there's. There's a lot of potential there. They also set up Hawkeye's daughter. They set up Ant-Man's daughter. You know, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Michael Douglas, all of those guys are still around. They still have an Ant-Man movie. Paul Paul Rudd is 50, but he looks like 29. So like, yeah. he could keep on making those movies till the end of time. I just think that I'm excited because also I, I hear from what I understand – Marvel is also setting up like a young Black Widow as well from the Black Widow film. Like Scarlett Johansson is gone. Now I'm just saying, man. Like it's it's team building again, and it has to be for the yeah. new generation for another ten years. That's what's going to be happening, and it's yeah. exciting because you don't know where it's going to go. And honestly, the the way that it's looking that it's going to go is in the kind of like 
diversity um, attuned mindset that the comic books is also taking on, which I think for a for a numerous reasons is exciting. I mean, Shang Chi is coming out. Shang Chi mm -hmm. doesn't have really any relation to any of the existing like mini universes that are going on right now. You know, it, it, it could be exciting. It could, it could be a very, very exciting time because they're finally going to have to branch out without the core Avengers that everybody knows and loves. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, for pod listeners right now, Jeff and I did an episode discussing Shang-Chi uh, a couple months back. So if you haven't heard that one. That's a really good one. And I actually just checked on my phone. You know, they haven't casted anybody for Shang-Chi yet. But... Don't do Ludi Lin. I I'm sorry. I, I, I do not agree. Uh, so I... I I haven't. I know he was a Power Ranger. I didn't see that movie. And I guess now I'm... if Ludi Lin does get cast as Shang-Chi, I'm going to go watch it. But what else has he been in? Okay. Go Disney? watch No, no, he's on the Netflix Black Mirror episode with uh Anthony Mackie. Have you watched that one yet? No, I've only seen like so, two episodes of Black Mirror. So Anthony Mackie and uh the girl who plays Mantis, God, what's her name? I love her. Uh oh, the French girl. Yeah. yeah, the French girl. God, I fucking forgot her name. But in any case, uh they are all in there and it's a very interesting concept uh for Black Mirror, but I, I I think <laughs> I think you're gonna have some thoughts about that. And <laughs> for anybody who's watched the Black Mirror episode, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Does he show Dong or something? Or... No, 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 oh, no, no. Okay. You you definitely should go watch it. But Ludi Lin is in there too, and he's okay. You know, mm -hmm. he 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 plays a role. But I I have yet to see him in something where I feel as though he's a he's a leading man. And yeah. I you know like. I don't want them to go in that direction. And that's just personal preference. So the other name that I just read, um, and again, this is all speculative, but uh, I think I talked about this on the Shang-Chi podcast, but uh, Eddie Pang is is another possibility. And he's the one that um, he did the most recent uh, Huang Fei Hong it, movie. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's done a couple of, like, there's a couple of action movies he's done on Netflix. I don't yeah. think he looks that good doing the action, so I'm yeah. a little curious about it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, we'll see. I mean, you know, the, yeah. the, you and I talked about this. The the good action stars are either old or they're yeah. not they're not Chinese and you know, I, I would yeah. love to see eco UIs, the, the star of the raid, you know, yeah, that, he would, yeah, he, he would look good as it. Yeah. Yeah. And he can, he can speak Chinese, but the, yeah. the thing is he, you know, he's not Chinese. Yeah. And yeah. like you had said, you know, we don't, we, we don't want Canadians playing Captain America. So we exactly. shouldn't have uh, Indonesians yeah. playing Shang-Chi. Um, yeah. Unless you're yeah. crazy rich Asians. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit. By the way, um, the farewell rated very, very well. So if it uh, if it makes it onto um, you know a, a streaming platform, maybe maybe I'll watch it. Um, yeah. I, redeem I, redeem your Aquafina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she's bad in O for two uh, movie wise and O for a hundred commercial wise. So hopefully she'll she'll do something that will sit in my favor. But tough ask, tough ask. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Lou, it's been fun. Anything Always. you want to plug? Anything you want to plug? Uh, Anything, uh, Scratch Made Sundays uh, still going strong? Scr Scratch Made Sundays is coming back. There's going to be a second hot sauce in a little bit. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, if you are interested, you know, maybe send me an email or something like that. But other than that, no, man, just the Ewing Bang podcast right now. Yeah. 
And then you and I have another uh, another episode coming up later this I'm week where we're going to talk one. to a uh, Hollywood actor. Yeah. So, all right, Jeff, it's been fun. This is uh, Emil Wang. And this is Jeff Liu. Keep, Keep on, on banging. banging. I work with Spider-Man. You work for Spider-Man? I work with Spider-Man, not for Spider-Man. New plan.